to share God's word. How are we doing? Okay, you can all say thank you. That's very kind of you. Let's get, um, how many of you believe the Bible is the word of God? So therefore, it's got something to say to us that's relevant, something that can help us, something that hopefully will encourage you this morning. I really feel, I, I've, I've been looking forward to this morning. Been looking forward to coming and um, sharing what I believe God wants to share with you. So Luke chapter 13, thank you for that introduction. Very kind of you, Sujith. Um, you got a good pastor. You know that, didn't you? He's a good guy. Got a great prophetic gift. Great preacher. And he's a nice guy as well. So that helps, doesn't it? That's good. So Luke chapter 13, I want to talk about the whole thing about value. Sometimes in our world today, we... we we're living in a world where uh, things are valued according to expense and what we, if you like, what we treasure of them. And when we think about the globe, when we think about the planet, when we think about all the things that are going on, sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking, actually, that's valuable, that's not valuable. I want to I talk about what God finds valuable and talk about how he sees value. So Luke chapter 13, 10 to 17, we'll read this and then... Uh, We'll get into it. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out and give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Jesus traveled throughout this small little environment called Israel, Palestine. Everywhere he went, he went into synagogues. Basically, a synagogue is a church, for want of a better word. A um, place where people would gather, and every time he would go into these places, he would communicate a message about God in a brand new way. Gone was religion, gone was the rights and wrongs, rules and regulations. Jesus came to introduce people to a God who loved them, a God who was for them, a God who wanted to encourage them, a God who wanted them to to live in the destiny that God had for them. And everywhere he went, everywhere crowds would gather. People would would flock into environments. What's he going to say today? What's he going to do today? And so in this in this synagogue, there were three different groups of people. On the front, sorry guys, you are sitting on the front, but on the front would have been the religious, the leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and those who were there to scrutinize Jesus. They were there. They weren't there because they were fans. Uh, and I know I'm not talking to you, Lord, but that's where you're sitting. But all these front rows would have been sat with people who were thinking, right, what's he going to say today? What's he going to do today? So they weren't the curious, they weren't the open, they were the critical and the cynical. They were there to catch Jesus out, because they'd heard about him, that he's a bit of a rebel in the sense of he's not living by the rules and regulations, he's teaching people to live freely. He's talking about God in a way that we don't like, and so they were there 
to see how he was going to communicate. What was he going to say? What was he going to do? What was he going to uh, get involved in at this time? So they were sitting there basically to, to see if he was going to play by the rules. Behind, behind this austere group of men would have been the rest of the men from the community. They would have all been sat there. They would have come in and they would have heard about Jesus. It was the Sabbath. And so it was important that they all gathered to hear from the word of God. They all came together. And then right at the back were the ladies. Sorry, ladies. In those days, you were allowed in, but you weren't allowed to speak. You weren't significant. You weren't valued in the fullest sense of it because these at the front were the most valuable. Then you had the guys. Then you had the ladies at the back. That's not me. That's what it was. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just telling you what it was. There's a reason I'm telling you that. Because right at the very back, as Jesus is communicating, as he's talking, he, he sees that there's a woman right at the back who is completely bent over. She's completely oppressed. In fact, the Bible says for 18 years, Satan has bound this woman. So we're not talking about she's carrying a spirit. Because when Jesus... Uh, delivers her of what's going on. He doesn't deliver her from a demon. He heals her. So it's a sickness that has come because of Satan's work in her life. We don't know what happened 18 years prior to this, but something had happened in her life where maybe she was just getting on with life and, and she felt, oh, my back's playing up today. And, and slowly what had happened is that the pressure on her back that was being placed on her was pushing her down to the degree where now she is completely bent over. When you're bent over, there's one thing that you see more than anything else, and that's the dust and other people's feet. That's her viewpoint in life. That's what this problem has done to her. Instead of looking life face on, she's walking through every environment and she is dominated by this pressure, this presence, this, this inability to actually get up and look at life square in the face. This day she's in the synagogue. We don't know if she comes in because she's heard Jesus wants to do something, that he's a healer, whether she was there just because oh, well, I hope that he's got something for me. I I hope I feel encouraged. Or whether she was there, just, well, it's what I do every week. I think for 18 years she'd been coming to church, but she'd not been meeting God. She'd been turning up in the environment, but not sensing and experiencing the presence of God. You know, that's so easy for us. It's so easy for us to turn up into the proximity of God and miss the very one who wants to touch us. She'd come in and gone out. She'd come in and gone out. She'd come in and gone out. She'd, she'd started and she'd walked out and she thought, my back's not fixed. And then the next month she'd come in and she's thinking, when am I going to get my back fixed? And then the next year and she's thinking, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? And the next year and 18 years later, now here she is, she's folded in half. Life wants to fold you and me in half. Life wants to push us down. There's nobody around wanting to lift when you're pressed down by other things. When you're carrying the weight of the world on you, the only thing you can see is the dirt. The only thing you can see is other people's feet. The only thing you can see is an existence where it's constantly looking down. When we think about what we've come out of, we think about the environment we find ourselves in right now. Some of you feel pushed down by life. 
finances and petrol and fuel and food prices and worries and concerns and when's this going to happen and have we got this and before you know it life is squeezing us down but Jesus wants to lift us up Jesus doesn't want us walking around always looking at the floor always looking at the negative and as Jesus is communicating this day he spots her right at the back she's come in She could hear what he's saying, and from the side where she's looking, she can actually see him. Side on, she can see him, but front on, she can't. She can't can't see anything when she's walking in front because her back is so contorted. And Jesus says to her right from the back, woman, come here. Why is it that Jesus doesn't walk to her? I don't know if you ever ask these questions. You know, she, she's the one who's at the back. She's the one who's embarrassed at her condition. She's the one who's come in today, probably hoping that she'll be able to slip in and slip out and maybe get something from God. But the fact is, Jesus says, woman, come here. You can imagine her. I hope he's talking to Janet, not me. She looks around and all eyes are on her. He's talking to you. Betty, you. And so she has to now have the walk of shame. Jesus is standing at the front. Woman, come forward. She doesn't know. She doesn't know if he's going to rebuke her or he's going to release her. She doesn't know if he's going to say, what have you been doing? Or if he's going to lift off her the very thing she needs. As she hears his voice, she's looking down. She's looking along and she decides, okay, well, I've got to go. And she begins to walk forward through the crowd. At first, at the back, she leaves the the ladies Go on, Betty, he'll be okay. Go on, it's it's Jesus, he's a good guy. She gets a bit of encouragement, but then as she starts to walk through the men, you can imagine, what's she doing? She shouldn't even be here. You see, in, in the day that Jesus walked on the earth, if you had a problem, your problem was about your sin, not about a problem. There's a time in in John chapter 5 where they're walking through the colonnades and they see a blind man and the disciples, these who walked with Jesus, said, whose sin is this? Is this because of of him or is it because of his parents? Jesus says, no, no, you got it all wrong. You're you're missing the point. So the, the, the thinking of the day is if you had any problem in your physical It was because you're a sinner, because you're rebelling against God. So now as she's walking through, all the eyes are looking at her. All the eyes are on her. Everybody's thinking, that's it. Go on, sort her out. She shouldn't be in here anyway. And she's feeling the pressure of walking down. As she's walking down the aisle, she can only hear the voice of Jesus. Come forward. She can't see who he is, but she can hear him. You know the most important thing for you and me? is what we hear in church. Are we, are we hearing what others are saying? Are we hearing what's around us? Are we trying to see God? Or are we just open to what he wants to say to us? Because what he wants to say to us can release us into what he's got for us. This woman makes her way all the way down. She comes to the front, and then Jesus speaks to her again. He's called her. She's had the walk of shame. And now he says to her, woman... You are healed from your infirmity. You would think that that's enough, but then he reaches and he touches her. I wonder, I wonder how many people had walked past her and not touched her. I don't know when 
the last time she had a hug, she's, she's bent over. So even to hug her is a problem. But Jesus connects with her. He touches her. He ministers to her. And she lifts her head. And the first thing she sees is the eyes of Jesus. She looks into his eyes. She catches the glimpse of this incredible man. Not now from the back, but she is lifted so that she can see him. She's looking right at him. And then it starts. The muttering on the front row. Who does he think he is? The woman has just been healed, and the only thing they're bothered about is the wrong day. It's incredible, isn't it? Religion is, is incredible. I hope there's nobody in the house like this, but religion actually misses the miracle and looks to the mundane because it's bothered about rules and regulations, not bothered about people. Whenever we get more bothered about stuff than we do about people, we're on the opposite side of what God wants for us. This woman, she comes forward, and they start muttering. And she says, you hypocrites. What are you talking about? This woman has been bound. You take your donkeys out. You take your animals out. This woman has been bound by Satan for 18 long years. And then he says these brilliant words. She, too, is a daughter of Abraham. And this is what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Jesus does a miracle physically, but I think he does another miracle in her soul. You see, for 18 years, she's walked into church and felt the outsider. For 18 years, she's felt her infirmity. For 18 years, she's felt her condition. And when you feel a condition to that degree, you become defined by your problem. So even in our Bibles, the woman with the bent back, the woman with the issue of blood, blind Bartimaeus. They've, they've all been written by men just putting in a, a caption before the story to give us an identity of what it is. I think I've said it here before. We know men wrote it because it's always defined in the problem, not the, the fix. If it was God who wrote it, the woman who is healed, the woman set free, the woman delivered. We always define people by the negative. God always defines us by the positive. And it's really important for you and me to understand that as this woman comes forward, Jesus isn't just bothered about healing her physically. If she's healed physically, she's still crushed on the inside. She's still carrying the scars of 18 years. She's still feeling the oppression and the eyes that have looked at her. But when he speaks to her, he speaks to her destiny, not just to her problem, and says, you too are a woman of, a daughter of Abraham. Why did he say a daughter of Abraham? She'd come into this religious environment. But he was connecting her, not to religion, but faith. Abraham is the father of the faith. He is the one who God called out of a foreign place and said, walk with me by faith. And he was known, his righteousness was attributed to him because of faith, not religion. And what Jesus is doing in this moment for this woman, he's called her forward. He's healed her physical body, but now he's speaking to her soul a word of faith about who she is. Your identity, he's saying to her, is not religion. Your identity is not a problem. Your identity is not the things you've been through. Your identity is not the stuff you have a problem with. I think this woman was disgusted at herself. She'd been downtrodden so long. She's living, feeling the impact. But when Jesus speaks to her, or when he speaks about her, he restores dignity to her in one moment. 
I don't know how you've come in here this morning. I don't know what pressures are on you. I don't know what stuff you're carrying. Maybe you are not walking in with a bent back, but most of us feel bent by life, bent by problems, bent by challenges. Most of us are trying to define ourselves by the things that we can get encouraged into and move forward in. And God, I want to break free from what I am. I want to be the person you want me to be. You need to hear this morning, you're a child of faith. It's not about your religious duty. It's not how much you can score points with God. It's not about what you can do. God wants you to lift your head and walk through life knowing that you're a child of the King. That you are called. That he has appointed you to good things. That he has got greatness for you. He wants to speak to you about who you are. Not about who you think you are. The world will try and define you. And the trouble is, we wear the labels. Divorcee, drunk, drug addict, unemployed, abuser, negative, critical, grumpy. And we wear the labels and then we wonder why we can't break through. It's because somebody has labeled us and we've owned the label instead of owning who God says we are. Let me read to you, if you're a follower of Jesus today, let me read some phrases that define who you are. Not who you think you are but who God says you are in his word. You are accepted. You are a child of God. You are Christ's friend. You have been justified. You are united with Christ. You are one in spirit with him. You have been bought with a price. You belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body. You are a saint. You've been adopted as God's child. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. You are complete in Christ. You are secure. You are free forever from condemnation. You are assured that all things are working together for good. You are free from any any condemning charges against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are confident that that God is working for for good in your life. God has begun in you to perfect you and he will bring it through to completion. You are a citizen of heaven. You have not been given a a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and and sound mind. You can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You are significant. You are salt and you are light. You're a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. You have been chosen, appointed to bear fruit. You're a personal witness to Christ. You are God's temple. You're a minister of reconciliation for God. You are God's co-worker. You are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You are God's workmanship. That's who you are. That's who you are. And there's a liar every day telling you, you're nobody, you're nothing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. And you are walking through life feeling as if you've got the world on your shoulders. And Jesus wants to tell you today that you're a child of the King. You are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You are free. He has done so much for you. And the problem is, if we only come to church walk out the same, believe in the same rubbish, believe in the same words that have been predicted over our lives, you'll never make it, you'll never do anything good, you'll never break through, you'll never be able to achieve, you'll never, if we live by that definition, then we live in discouragement. God has called us to destiny. He's called us to walk knowing 
that we're a child of the King, that we have been saved by the death of Jesus Christ. That's the good news this morning. The good news, not that we come to church. The good news is not that we can just go through the motions. The good news is we've got a God who defines us. We've got a God who separates us from our problem. I don't know what this woman said or did, but I know this. That day she walked out of the synagogue owning the new identity. Now, I bet she was running up to Jackie and Allison at the back. I'm saying, I don't know what their names are. But she's running up to them and she said, Hey, did you see what happened? Did you hear what he said? There was something restored to her that was way beyond just a natural thing. Her soul had been set free. She'd moved from disgust to destiny in one moment. And the thing that God has got for each one of us today, he wants us to understand that he's got deliverance for us. He's got healing for us. But more than that, he wants to speak to our soul. I know this. So many times in our lives, we can, we can swallow the negative. We can swallow somebody else's definition of who we think we should be. God says, no, no, I want to define you. I want you to be defined by light and life. I want to call you into the place that I've got for you. Four things that I want to say, and these are just statements, so don't worry, I'm not preaching again. The first one is, Jesus straightens us up when we're bent over. I don't know what's bending you right now. I don't know what pressure is on your life, but I know this, Jesus wants to straighten us up. He wants to straighten us up. He wants us to reject what's been placed on us by men, by the world, by problems, by situations, by society. He wants to straighten us up. The second thing, Jesus releases us from the labels that people put on us. I wonder what your label is this morning. I wonder what you're wearing that was not placed on you by God, but it's been placed on you by others. Maybe even by you. I'm no good. I'm rubbish. I'll never make it. I'll never get through. I c- it's all right for them. Maybe it's just me that thinks this way. It's easy for them. And what we do is we attribute to other people ease because we feel the weight of our situations. And Jesus says, I want to lift the labels off you. I want to move you from the past that's trying to define you so that you can step into a future where you walk through life with your head held high, understanding, God, your label is now what I'm going to be defined by. The third thing is, Jesus fights against religion for our freedom and connection. He hates religion. Hates it. Because religion is about what you can do for him. Christianity is about what he does for you. It's never about what we can do for him. It's never about, I've got to try hard and I've got to do more. And if I can just please God. No, you please God. God doesn't, you know, when you woke up this morning, God didn't go, oh, not again. Another day with them. Oh, man alive. What am I going to do with Sujith? What am I going to do with him? You don't think that way. God thinks he's awake. My child's awake. My son is awake. Come on. Let's go on an adventure today. He knows 
what our limitations are. And he wants to lift them off so that we can live in the fullness of who he is. He wants to take religion from us, not put it on us. And then the final thing, Jesus gives us dignity in place of disgrace. Dignity. Dignity. I think we misunderstand dignity in the day we live in with. In every day we live in. I think what we do is we, we beat ourselves up so much that, that we, we have a disgust with ourselves. We think, oh, if only I wasn't like that. If only I didn't do that. And if only I, if only I could get over that. Well, what, if, what if God loves you the way you are? You see, nothing gets better by hating what you've got. You've got to accept who you are. Your quirky smile, your, your crooked nose, your whatever it is that you've got. Your uniqueness is what God loves. God doesn't want you to change. God wants to change you. And it's so important we understand this, that it's not about me trying to squeeze into a mold. That puts more pressure on Religion always causes more pressure. Jesus comes to lift the pressure off. He says, walk in the dignity of who you are. Be the person that I want you to be, that I created you to be. Lift off the stress. And the funny thing about this whole story is, the most stressful place that this woman went, the church, is where she met all the opposition. It's where she met all the religion. It's where she met all the criticism and all the cynicism. That's not this church. I want to say, that is not this church. You are accepted in this church. You are valued because God values you. You are loved and we want to see you move on a journey so that you can become everything. God doesn't and isn't disappointed in you. God isn't upset and negative about you. God has a hope and a future that he's called you to. And this is the reason why we do church this morning is so that we can share this message with you like Jesus shared in this day that you can be free, that you can walk tall, that you can know healing, that you can hear a word to your soul, that you are accepted, valued, loved, you are chosen, you are God's special child. If you were here this morning and you don't know him, he really wants to know you. He really wants to do a miracle in your life. If you need healing, he wants to touch you. If you need your soul speaking to, he's got a word for you. You're my child. Because he wants each one of us to move into a place where we feel the destiny of God on us. I wonder if you bow your heads for a moment. I don't know many of you, I don't know what you've come in with this morning, whether you feel optimistic and full of life and you're facing life head on. My guess is there's many of us who are feeling pressure, downward pressure constantly, pushing us down. My guess is there are people here this morning, you've never responded to the voice of Jesus in your life. This woman is at the back Jesus speaks, and even though she, he could, she couldn't see him, she could hear him. And as he speaks, he calls her forward, and there's a response. And right now, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never opened your heart and said, Jesus, come into my life, I give you my life, my pain, my fears, my shame, my guilt, my sin, 
of problems. I give them to you. If you were here this morning, you've never done that, but you'd like to do that, then I want to invite you to raise your hand where you are. Because today, Jesus wants to do a miracle for you. So if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, but today you're saying, that's me. Lift your hand where you are. I'll see it, and then we're going to pray. Thank you. Thank you, second row. Anybody else? You're saying in your heart, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody want to join these two? That's you. Just raise your hand. I'll see it. I'm going to pray quickly. Church, pray these words after me for these two ladies who have responded. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. Jesus, come into my heart. I want to live for you from this moment on. But I ask it in your precious name. Keep your head bowed a moment. There are people here, you've, you know Jesus. You've experienced God, but yet today, if we could see a picture of you in who you really feel you are, you're bent over by life. You're bent over by situations and words and what people have said to you and about you. And, and you feel as if you're walking just looking at the dirt. It may be a relative. It may be family member. But whatever it is, it's crushing I believe God is here this morning to set the captive free. You don't need anybody touching you. You need Jesus touching you. You need a touch from him. His word has gone out this morning. And he said, I want to do something for you. But that calls for a response. This woman at the back, she has to walk all the way from the back so that she could receive. I want to invite you today not to walk to the front, but stand where you are. If you need a miracle from God today, if you need to straighten up and accept who you are, then I want to invite you just to stand where you are because I want to pray for you. Because I believe that God genuinely wants to restore dignity to your life. Wants to restore you to a place where you're not living, carrying everything, but you are transferring that to Him and He's lifting your head so if that's you just stand where you are we're going to do a simple prayer and this morning we're going to let the miracle worker work a miracle the way maker make the way heavenly father you see every person standing before you you see the crushing weight not just on their shoulders but in their soul you see it, Lord. You understand the, the fear that they feel, the disgust sometimes they feel, the stuff they're going through. You see it all, Lord. And you know exactly what needs to be lifted off. And so today, by the power of Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit, I pray you'd release in Jesus' name. And Lord, you, like that woman in that synagogue 2,000 years ago, would speak directly into their souls. You would touch their lives, that they would know the quickening of your spirit. I pray that they wouldn't convince themselves, they'd be convinced by God that you have done this. 
And Lord, they wouldn't talk themselves into something or out of something. But today, right now, by faith, they would receive in the name of Jesus. Simply receive. Like this woman. Do not give in to the doubts. Do not give in to the touch of the religious. The things in your mind that would say, nah, you'll never get it. God won't do it for you. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He is doing it right now. He is lifting off you the burden that life and the devil has placed on you. And so right now, I speak release, freedom in the name of Jesus. That God, people would walk differently. You would lift up their heads. You would cause them to walk tall in life. You would cause them to be breakthrough people. That you would restore dignity where there's been disgust, where there's been dishonor, where there's been disappointment. Dignity in Jesus' name. The people would feel difference. They would feel a new experience in you, a new freedom, a new release, where they'd be able to walk through life accepting who they are because they are loved by you. Minister right now into every person standing before you. And I pray, God, I pray words of life. I pray words of destiny into their souls. They're children of God. I pray that they would learn to rehearse. We would learn to rehearse who we are in you. That we would defeat the devil and resist the devil by our worship of you and our acceptance of who you say we are. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Fantastic. Church, let's appreciate Grayson for that word.